Hey, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we start this next episode, I have a quick question for you. How do you feel about being subpoenaed in your private practice? If you have any fear, sense of dread, or worry, you are not alone. Please join us for our upcoming training with Nicole Stoller-Peterson on mastering your subpoena process in private practice. It's going to be an amazing training to help build your confidence, to help you serve your clients better, and to take out the guesswork when it comes to being subpoenaed in your private practice. All you need to do is go to zinnime.com and check out the training there. You will also get a recording if you sign up. We can't wait to see you there. everybody, welcome to Starting a Counseling Practice podcast. This is Kelly. I am one of the coaches at ZinniMe, and we are featuring other amazing ZinniMe team members on a series of this podcast. And today I'm joined by Karen Evans, one of our accountability coaches in our Accountable Practice program. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> The reason why we are doing this series is for people to understand that we've moved beyond just me and Miranda doing everything. Um, And in order to expand our services, we've brought in some amazing people to serve our community. And you are a part of that vision. You have been for quite some time. And also for people to know that when you're building a business, and this is especially true for any of you who are group practice owners, it is a team effort to serve. It, and even if you're in solo practice, you're probably teaming up with a primary care physician or another provider that helping others is never the best in isolation, I think. Um, it's when we have other minds coming together to collaborate, to bring our diversity, to bring our experiences, that that is what benefits the clients most. And so it's why I've loved having you on our team, Karen. Yeah, it's why it's great to be a part of a team that um, isn't an accidental team. You guys have been very thoughtful about building out a group of people that support each other and serve our clients and our community. Yeah. What has it been like in this accountability coaching role? What has accountability coaching meant to you? Oh. It's been awesome. So I think coming into it, those two words, right? Accountability and coaching carry certain baggage or expectations Mm -hmm. and everyone's going to bring their own thoughts of what that means. I think the accountability piece, some people find that a bit um, intimidating, like I'm being held accountable, kind of the finger wag in the face, (laughs) like you haven't been doing the thing. And other people come to it a little bit desperate, like for for the love of God, please hold me accountable. Like I'm exhausted (laughs) trying to do it for myself. Mm. Um, For me, accountability is kind of like a middle spot there. Sometimes in my own world, I am also seeking people to help me be accountable because it can be tiring to do that all for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, this whole idea of like adulting, well, there's like businessing, And um, when we have our own practice or you have a group of people relying on you, it can be hard to keep yourself always accountable or have a gauge of 
how accountable you're being. I see a lot of clients and I relate to this pushing themselves so hard mm. and just doing that because they don't really have a gauge of what's reasonable. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that to myself. Sometimes I'll be pressuring myself so much. And then I'll talk to a few of the people in my world that, that give me perspective. So sometimes mm-hmm. accountability is about that perspective. Um, and then sometimes it is about having someone pushing you along or helping you not chase the fun stuff or the shiny thing or the cool, whatever, because you just need to go ahead and finish the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, the coaching I really love because coaching is such a range of skills and, um, something I think I've been drawn to mentoring or coaching through all my different career paths, but asking people questions and hearing their stories and then partnering with them to, you know, lay out a plan for success and being there for that journey is awesome. I love it so, so much. It's very satisfying Mm. to play that role of coach. You know, one of the things we were talking about before we hit record and I asked if you would share is that kind of what is reasonable, right? That question that often comes up of, am I pacing well? Is what I want to do okay? And one of the things, oh, I don't know, a few months ago, maybe I came to you and was like, Karen, can you take more clients? (laughs) Yes. And you were like clear about, nope, I'm good. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that learning in this role of what works for you? Because I think it's something that therapists can really identify as they're looking at their caseload size and their energy and the way their brain works. Yeah. Yeah. I came into this role thinking, doing kind of the basic mathematics, right? Like this many clients equals this many hours. And I put them on these days of the week at these time slots for this dollar amount. And da, da, da. okay. So logistically that looked wonderful. The reality of the work has been it's the energy consumption was something I couldn't calculate logistically. Mm-hmm. It's something I had to experience. And once I was working with clients and experiencing the energy that that required for me and um, kind of the pieces that go into processing before and after you've met with a client and I see people every two weeks. So there's a little bit of the like refreshing, where were we at last we spoke? Yeah, I realized um, the logistics looked nice, but the reality (laughs) looks different. And when you had asked that question, I don't think I had quite processed. It was a good trigger for me to be like, well, hold up. Let me think about what's working and Mm -hmm. how this realistically could or couldn't expand. And also evaluating what else I have, you know, other Mm -hmm. commitments. And I see this a lot with clients where, um, you know, you can break out one piece of your life and sort of have a plan. Like Mm -hmm. this is the plan and I don't know why the plan's not working and I'm frustrated because it should be moving faster or the plan is, you know, so big and I've only done a small part of it. But when you plug that plan into everything else that's going on, other commitments that you've chosen or are non-negotiable, you get a little perspective. And that was true for me when you'd asked, you know, this is awesome. And I was like, yes, I'd love to work with more people. Oh, wait, (laughs) no wait, my brain can't do it. I can't do that. I can't, I, I, I will not be, and this is hard as people who like to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'd be of good service if I right. tried to work with more. 
it would either be, I'd have to put the energy into those additional clients and take it from something else that's important in my life. Mm -hmm. Or I'd be giving very shallow service to clients. Like that doesn't feel good. Right. And that doesn't align with what we teach, right? That whole, that every client should get the same Karen should as much as possible. We want to create equity so that people who are scheduled at the end of the week versus the people at the beginning, they get the same kind of presence of mind. And one of the things that I found is that I can't handle context switching very easily. I used to maybe before, and now it's getting a lot more challenging. I don't know why that is, but I'm evolving as a human. So who knows? Um, I could give a few reasons, but I, if I'm going to see clients and do coaching, I want to do that in a day. I can't do a little coaching, have a meeting, work on creative, go back, you know, um, that will wear me out. But if I had a long day of full coaching, oh, it's going to feel good because I have this one kind of mind part of my brain I'm using maybe. Right. And so it's really learning about our own neurobiology and how our brains work, how that's connected to us energetically so that we can honor that and be our best. And everyone is different. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love all the brain science stuff. I'm a huge fan. And I think in another life I would have gone and been a neuroscience person of some kind, because I think it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think I had expected how much this would be like an attention demand for me and the processing part. I realized like it takes some time for me to process the time with my clients and I see clients in the mornings, in my mornings, twice a week. And I know that those afternoons, what kind of energy I have available, brain energy, emotional energy is different than on days where I don't have clients. Mm-hmm. So I've even adjusted what my expectations are for the kinds of other work I do that day. Like I totally mm-hmm. understand what you're talking about, Kelly, that switching gears. I used to have a schedule that I was so exhausted and somebody pointed out, well, you're, you are transitioning like 12 times a day between Mm. the kinds of tasks you're tackling and the roles Mm -hmm. you're playing. Mm -hmm. So how much of your energy is just gobbled up going, okay, well, I was doing practical emails. Now I'm doing like an emotional phone call. Then I'm doing some creative work that has a certain flow to it, but that got interrupted, but now I'm back to the creative (laughs) flow, you know? not I'm like juggling you know the flaming bowling ball and the chainsaw but that's fun for 30 seconds of why I'm tired all day long it's not gonna work I think that also brings to mind of that's what makes you a good coach it's because you can empathize oh very much there's so many times I bite my tongue because somebody that I'm working with is sharing a dilemma and I want to be like, oh my God, me too, me too. But I want to listen to what they're saying. <laughs> Don't chime in about how much you can relate. Um, and I think that, you know, many of us who are helpers, we go into these fields because we have a knack for it. Mm-hmm. We, we have, um, you know, some empathic qualities or intuition or 
if we're talking about organizing, like I have, I love organizing things. Um, I am not an organized person, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I like to do that work, but I am not inherently organized. And I think one of the reasons I'm good in this position is that many of the skills I'm recommending or working with are things I've found and learned and worked with or helped others develop. They're not things that come inherently easy to me necessarily. Um, I know I've been frustrated over the years when I've looked for organizational tools or like project management ideas or how to manage others or how to organize your thing. And you find those people that just, that is what they inherently do well. Yeah. So I can give the example that my dad is inherently like a, a tidy person. Mm-hmm. You have like one pencil and it goes here. Yeah. So the concept of how do I organize my pencils is silly because you just have the one and it goes here. And like, that does not work for me. <laughs> so to hear advice, like just have one pencil and put it here. I'm like, right. Yeah, that doesn't work. I guess it's <laughs> not going to fly. I need lots of pencils. They're not going to end up here. What are some strategies that work for me? So and I think that's important with clients. I think that's important of what you bring to accountability coaching as well as addressing that every person is different, right? Mm. And what is going to work? Sure, we use Asana. And someone may be listening and saying, I hate Asana. Fine, you don't have to use it, but it's a way we communicate as a team to make sure we know what you're up to. And if you don't want to use it, that's okay. But it's really about well, how do you make this business work for you? Right. Right. Why does it have to be so hard? And I think sometimes it's hard is because the examples we've been given are of that of people who are not neurodivergent, who don't have, you know, um, intersectional uh, struggles uh, as, as others. And so we need to take the whole of the person in consideration and really explore instead of this cookie cutter, this is how you build a practice. It's like, okay, well, here's the general, like we yeah. do need a financial plan. I like, regardless right. of who you are, we need a plan, but how we go about that plan, how you like get there may look different. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one of the struggles of, of a lot of people is embracing and acknowledging this is who I am and this is what I need. And it's okay that the one pencil in the place doesn't work for me. There's nothing wrong with me because of that. It's that I got to figure out where, what, how many pencils and where to put it. So it does work for me. Right. And one of the things that I've had conversations with many of my clients and with myself is, um, are you actually having a pencil problem? Like, do you think there's a problem because you have 17 pencils and they're like scattered throughout the house? Is that really stopping you from achieving what you want to achieve? Mm. Or are you bringing in an idea that I should only have one pencil and it goes here. And because I have 17 pencils and they're all over the place, I must need to fix this. Like what, a lot of what we boil down to, um, is that why, you know, why are we pursuing the task? What's our bigger vision and goal mm-hmm. for these things? And sometimes the question is like, why is this agitating us? Mm. Why are we telling ourselves I'm not achieving this fast enough? Or why am I telling myself that, you know, my schedule isn't right or that my, my process is flawed. Sometimes there really is a reason that you want to fix it. And sometimes we come across like, oh, that's just some sort of message I've been carrying around. Well, hold up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When I think about it, I am achieving what I need to achieve. 
and then so my work is to let go of the idea that one pencil in one place is the way to is the way mm -hmm. to be so i have 17 mm -hmm. pencils that are all over the place but look i'm achieving my goals mm -hmm. so, mm, that's helpful yeah i love that perspective i'm gonna have to chew on that for myself yeah i think that's I, where you know i my background was in education so mm -hmm. you have no option but to acknowledge that every kiddo in your classroom is coming from all different backgrounds and experiences and ways of thinking and my biggest frustration when I was a teacher is just statistically, no matter what I'm doing or how I'm approaching it, I'm always uh, misaligned with a percentage of my students, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's lovely in this situation because I get to work one-on-one. -on -one, and so I may not always have the great solution or the perfect understanding, but at least I'm working with one person at a time. So mm -hmm. while I may have one client and they are very linear, and they need like time frames and structure and they are one pencil and it goes here, help me like identify those pencils and put them in order. Then I can shift to the next client who's like Asana totally overwhelmed me. I have things on a Google doc. Can we do it that way where I can like color code and use some fonts? That's how I like to look at. <laughs> yes, we can totally do that. You've got three whiteboards you keep things on. That's wonderful. We can work with all of that. Mm -hmm. and, um, just take a picture in case someone walks by the whiteboard and erases it not that I haven't had that happen before with my kid being like oh look I'm gonna color here instead no Genius. <laughs> uh, so for those therapists who are listening who might be recognizing gosh do I have a pencil problem or, <laughs> you know, what do you encourage these therapists who are just trying to understand the stuck places that are trying to understand where to focus? How can, what, what encouraging words do you have for them of a different way of looking at things? Yeah. So I always feel we can never say it enough times, but like, first of all, you're not alone. Hmm. So whatever you're feeling stuck or overwhelmed or underwhelmed, there are so many others feeling similar. And there are so many that have gotten to the same or very, very similar kind of situation. Because of course, each of us are unique with our practices and where we're at and our, our personal needs. But the neat thing about the Zenimi community with bootcamp or TAP is that you do have a way to reach out and find others that have understand you and have been there. And that can be a big relief. And the second thing is, um, like, is it dire? Because my observation with almost every single one of my clients is that we want to do such good work that we are giving ourselves unnecessary pressure. Mm -hmm. So it's not to say that what you're trying to solve or the feeling that you're having of stuck or aggravated or um, overwhelmed comes up a lot. Those are, those are real feelings, but maybe being able to dial back some of the pressure we're putting on ourselves, give some space to better understand what the real issue is. Mm -hmm. Is this, um, you know, is this a, I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to do the next thing. So I know I'm supposed to, you know, work on my website, but I don't know how I need to break down. I need help. What step is next is that I don't know why I'm 
doing the thing. Mm -hmm. So I certainly have some clients that have, you know, we talk about like breakthrough moments and they realize I know what I need to do and I know how I need to do it, but I'm either not sure why I was pushing to do a group practice. Things have shifted or Mm -hmm. I don't know why I don't want to do those things. And I'm realizing it's an emotional, you know, mental messaging. It's some baggage I've got to work through. It's something family wise that I've carried with me. And until I resolve that, I'm not going to be able to do that next step. Um, yeah. So I think the biggest thing is just to be a little bit kind to yourself mm-hmm. first and foremost, yeah. and then know if you're part of this community, there are a lot of people here to help identify, you know, what to do next, how to do the next thing, or even the why, why in a motivating way or why in a understanding and finding, you know, like navigating those whys. I know a lot of the areas people get stuck is with, you know, my time, my worth, my value, my fees. How do I do this work in a way that serves others, but doesn't completely deplete me? Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily a what or a how. (laughs) Like there are, you know, what to do and how to do to change your schedule or to, and, you know, increase your fees or to change your reliance on insurance. But a lot of that work is why, why do we, want to make those changes and why are we stuck with them and how can we help you work through that Mm. or find resources to work through that so well said so beautiful I'm so grateful for you Karen oh I'm grateful for this team it's an amazing group of people so I'm sure some of the people listening know that already and if anyone Mm. here is new to this community it's such a genuine place and I was complimenting Kelly before we started recording that um, there are a lot of resources that you find, especially internet-based stuff where it's like, I'm an expert, trust me, like <laughs> buy my course, I'll solve all your problems in 12 simple steps. And I love <laughs> that this community is like, we get your problems, we have solutions, we're here to work on it, but it, it doesn't present necessarily like this miracle sil- silver bullet. And then yeah. while, while you, Kelly and, and Miranda are good at saying, look, we have expertise, lean on us, ask for it. We're here to provide it. You are also very open about we're human and we have struggles and we're figuring things out as business people and as mm-hmm. therapists and as humans as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're human, we're humanized. And as a coach, I may have, um, suggestions or solutions to offer, but it's not because I'm sitting on some throne of perfection where I'm like, I have <laughs> all of this figured out and I am an accountability guru you know yeah no <laughs> like I will no. share what I know and what I've learned and I learn yeah. a lot from my clients and I will lean Same. on my teammates around me um and other resources yeah I appreciate that about us because we're all learning and my hope is to keep sharing those lessons here on the podcast and in our community as we lead by example of just being vulnerable yeah and like you said being kind to ourselves. Being kind. Yeah. I love that. Well, Karen, thank you for joining me on the podcast. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure to get some time together and I loved all of our conversation. I hope it was um, inspiring and useful to those listening. Yeah. If you're new to our podcast, please subscribe, 
check us out. Go to zinnime.com. There's a ton of free stuff there for you. We're here to help. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Starting a Counseling Practice podcast. Just a reminder, if you want some support in your private practice, we have an upcoming free training on creating a subpoena process. So check it out at zinnime.com and we'll see you next time.